Welcome to the Worthy Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Emily, and I'm here to teach spiritually curious women like you how to stop people pleasing, how to gain massive self-worth and confidence, and how to reclaim your feminine power so that you can experience more love, more freedom, and more abundance in your life, and most importantly, how to live as your most worthy, authentic self. On this podcast, I'll be giving you my best teachings, trainings, and wisdom so that you can take action towards creating your dream life and showing up as the worthy woman that you are. Welcome back to the Worthy Woman Podcast. This podcast episode is such a special one because I have here with me my dear, dear, sweet, student Julia who is here to share her experience of her incredible transformation that she has been on this journey of transformation since July like her birthday in July and it's October now and I am just truly in awe of everything that she has who she has become in this process. Julia came to me and um, two years ago, and then this year, back in July and June, July, we kind of like reconnected and it was totally meant to be. And Julia truly feels like a soul sister to me. Julia is such a beautiful, incredible, strong human. And I'm so excited to share her with you today because she has so much to offer. First of all, she's an incredibly talented writer. She's an artist. She is a chef. She is an ambitious, fiery, deep, soulful woman who is changing the planet. She's also one of my students inside my program, Worthy Woman Blueprint. And the transformations that she's experienced over the past four months of working together are why one of the main reasons why I wanted to bring her on the podcast and share with you exactly what she's been healing to give you possibility to show you what's possible to give you hope that you are not alone and there are answers out there and like to see how your life could change in very similar ways to hers. So with all that being said, my sweet student, Julia. I'm Julia. I live here in Seattle. Um, I I love Melissa. I appreciate that we tell each other that a lot. I met Melissa two years ago through a another type of feminine empowerment Zoom call, and she was sharing her story about how she became a florist. And that story essentially was she had the courage to change when she recognized in herself that she wasn't necessarily feeling what she was supposed to be feeling or what she thought she was supposed to be feeling. She had all of her life aligned exactly how she thought it should go, but yet she wasn't feeling that fulfillment. And I remember hearing that story and just being so struck by it because I seriously, like two years ago, I needed to hear that message but I wasn't necessarily ready at that time to be introspective about 
my life and what was going on in it, how I was complacent in certain behaviors like people pleasing and very heavily involved in victim mentality. And I had the courage this July to reach out to Melissa again. And I saw that she had a coaching program available that was really, I was really drawn to it. Seeing Melissa blossom even over the last two years, just I was attracted to her space because I saw that it was possible. I didn't even know how to decide what I wanted to eat for dinner. All of my choices were what everybody else was going to make me happy. And so coming into this, I wanted to find a deep sense of self and a deep sense of self-worth that nobody else could define for me. And I didn't even know what that looked like. Um, And this program has been a shining light of guidance back to my heart and my soul. And I'm really thankful to be here today and sharing my story because I know what it feels like to feel alone and like there's not any other women you can talk to about the things that you're experiencing or even know how to grow from. And it's one thing to pick up all these self-help books. It's another to have a support that's actually loving and encouraging you to want to choose yourself. And I have that now, and I'm really thankful for you, Melissa. Mm, That was so special. Thank you so much (laughs) for sharing. Yeah, it truly was. We talk about this all the time when we have our sessions together, how we were meant to be in each other's lives. And there's a reason why you were attracted to me and why you found me. It was meant to be like, you can just, you'll see like throughout this episode, you can feel and hear our connection and our love for each other. And this is not exclusive to just me and Julia, by the way, for anyone listening, I have relationships with every single one of my clients. It's like the most beautiful relationship. And then with Julia specifically, we have this like, connection that transcends lifetimes. Like I feel so connected to you. I'm really happy that you found me. Paint me a picture of like the Julia kind of like May and June of 2022 or the beginning of this year. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's it's a little wild to me because I think back to that time, like that's not even a year ago, but I feel like a completely different person. Um, Where I was at in May and June I was literally messaging Melissa like, oh, I need to stop smoking weed because that is going to ultimately be what changes my life. And I feel totally out of control of my life right now. I was coming from a place of numbing my feelings. I had tried two years earlier to become sober um, from various things. I was definitely a part of party culture at my college. It was so normalized. Um, I just didn't have any friends who didn't use party drugs, drink. Um, I didn't have a lot of friends who had a lot of confidence. Like that was why we were partying is because it felt good to be around other people. But that confidence, like that doesn't transcend through to the next day, you know, when you're living with all these feelings of guilt and shame. And I had lifetimes of guilt and shame I had not worked through. And I was honestly using guilt, shame, and fear to try and motivate me and like propel me forward in life because I had a lot of traumas that I was not talking about. I was not working through. And like, mind you, I have gone to therapy. I've gone to therapy literally since my sophomore year in high school. And 
but these were just not things I felt were being worked through in a way that I was actually processing the emotions and um, being able to move forward from them. And I got to this point where trying to be motivated from fear, shame, guilt, all these very low vibrational energies was just not cutting it anymore. I was so miserable in my life. I had no idea what the next steps were. It felt like everything around me was falling apart, whether it was my relationship, um, my self-care, like my body image. I was recovering from an eating disorder, um, but that included like gaining weight. And that was something I wasn't used to and having to buy like clothes that I've never fit in before. It was really a hard transformational period for me where I wasn't seeing that I had any control. I wasn't seeing that I had any choices and really reaching out to Melissa was a last resort for me because I got back to a huge low point in my life, which is, you know, I was having suicidal thoughts. I was honestly wondering, like, I'm doing all of the right things and everybody keeps telling me I'm a good person. I'm doing a good job. But like none of that really actually meant anything because I didn't believe it in myself. And so ultimately, I knew that it wasn't going to take one self-help book or even one therapist. I seriously fired my therapist because like my therapist was basically telling me I couldn't have relationships with other people because I needed to work through my trauma, which I totally, to a point, I can agree like you need to work through your trauma in order to have healthy communication in relationships. But I totally saw that as like, I'm cutting everything off from the rest of my life because there's something wrong with me and that I'm not allowed to be around other people. And so I allowed myself to be surrounded by friends or people that I thought were my friends because they would give me that outside validation, that temporary validation, because I was doing things for them. Like I was helping them get their license or I was driving them places or I would drop everything and be there for them. Um, but I was noticing when I was going through really hard times in my life, I expected things of other people in return. And in my opinion, I think it's unfair to ask anybody um, or expect anybody to act or perform in certain ways because I don't want anyone to do that of me, at least not anymore. You know, I it has taken months to get to this point where I actually see that. Um, but I... Yeah, I don't know. I needed to find Julia again. I needed to find my essence again. Instead of believing that every single part of me was rooted in badness, um, I was also pursuing going to law school. Like, I ended up moving to Seattle because I have a 17-year-old runaway brother who is also addicted to drugs. That was my biggest reason on coming home. I've been very called to be closer with my family and try and heal some of these generational trauma wounds um, by, by choosing what's in my control and that was coming home. And giving up law school was like the biggest ego death of my life. Like I literally thought that becoming a lawyer would make me worthy in this life. Like I would actually be able to make a difference and I had to have this title and like all this prestige um, to be deemed as worthy in this society or produce anything good. Like. I wasn't proud when I wrote my book at first, which is insane because I literally graduated college during a global pandemic 
And then I literally shit out a book a month later and I wasn't proud of it. And I wasn't proud when I graduated college because for example, I have three majors in college and I was trying to get a dual bachelor's degree. Like I was always trying to level up and be the best and stand out and just be this huge vessel of goodness so that I would finally feel good. And it just never came. And so shedding that, like letting go of the pressure of that was huge. And literally I cried myself to sleep like so many nights about it. But ultimately, like it was never going to be being a lawyer. It wouldn't even be like I'm a chef now, but it's not even being a chef that's going to get back to me, right? Like it has to be this unshakable foundation that like I'm Julia and I'm worthy of love and good things no matter what I produce in this world, no matter what I give to other people. I literally started asking myself, like, why do I care if these people around me like me? Do I like the people I'm around? And I literally did it, <laughs> you know? Like, I actually chose sobriety in July. And I'll be honest, I chose sobriety because I realized um, there was a situation where I went to a baseball game and I had just gotten off the phone with my mom and my brother and my mom was just telling me more bad news about my brother, which is just really typical. And it was really hard for me to regulate my emotions. I did not have a guideline on how to do that. I had a prescription for Ativan I was avoiding using because that's just another numbing of the emotion and not working through it. So instead I was going to a baseball game and I was like, oh, guess I need to take like eight shots, you know, like it's so, normalized to do things like that in the culture that I'm coming from. So if you can just understand like where my head is at in that. Well, I broke up with my boyfriend, did not remember it, woke up on the floor the next morning at two in the morning, didn't even remember that I broke up with him. And I was fucking devastated because my partner, he sees me, like he sees me for who I am. He knows so much about my past. I don't often share my past with people because I don't want them to define me for it. And I feel like that is a lot of what happens in our society. I feel like um, the people I allow in my life have to be, I have to trust them enough to share that information. And that was the ultimate push at first for me becoming sober. But as I became sober, like I started remembering all of these negative times that <laughs> happened with alcohol. And I was like, oh wait, like was there ever any good times? But even the good times always came with the bad times and things get swept under the rug. Like, oh, whatever, like we were just drunk. We can move on from it and never addressing things that actually were hurting my feelings or made me feel like I need to shift to adjust for everybody else around me instead of just having the courage to be like, you know what, I actually don't feel like I deserve to be talked to or treated this way. And I don't know if we're a good fit as friends or even just distancing myself, not even like Melissa had shared with me that I don't even need to always have these conversations with people. Like you can just distance yourself and not owe anyone an explanation, which is huge. I feel like, especially as women, we're always having to explain our decision-making process. I don't see that happening to a lot of men personally. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but that has been a big hurdle for me in the people-pleasing and drawing boundaries of 
this program that has ultimately changed my life. Um, I no longer live from a place like, oh, when someone asks me what I want for dinner, oh, what does Nathan want? Oh, what what would everybody else think about this? Can I take a picture and put it on Instagram? Like always thinking outside of myself, never taking time to reflect inward. Um, And yeah, between May and now, I have chosen a life of sobriety. I have completely transform my idea of what it means to be successful in this world i'm literally like i got an interview to be a chef and i'm a seasoned cook by the way like i've never gone to school for this it is just a passion of mine it's something i was taught by my great grandmother which i was raised by my great grandmother because my mom was sex trafficked when i was a child Like those are the motherly bonding moments that I have in my life. And those are the only things I have to hold on to. And so when I'm cooking and there is so much passion involved, like I know where I'm at right now isn't a good fit for me, but I'm not, I am no longer letting that define that I am a successful chef or a successful cook. Like there will be new environments. I have to keep that faith. But honestly, like the faith in myself is just from literally showing up every single day, like starting that self-care routine. One of my favorite things in the, uh, in the program is the self-care or soul care menu. Sometimes I'm feeling like shit and it's hard for me to remember right off the top of my head when I'm feeling flustered or overwhelmed, like, Oh my gosh, like, I just don't know what to do. But I literally flip open my little notebook Melissa sent to me, which is so cute. Um, And I'm like, okay, like I'm going to start here because I know that if I just do one thing to take care of myself, even if it's drinking a yummy tea with some honey in it, like, I don't know what fucking reason I'm doing that for, but I'm doing it to feel better. I don't know, like it's not going to solve my problems, but just doing something that brings me a little bit of joy, a little bit of caring, like instead of searching outside of myself to have other people try and help me feel better, like there is nothing that makes me feel better than actually taking care of myself. That's the biggest thing I've learned is Mm -hmm. how to actually take care of myself. Oh my goodness. I love I, I love everything that you just said. The main pattern that I have seen for you over the journey of working with you is before you were living your life for everyone else, like to receive worth and validation, to try and search for this sense of self outside of yourself. And it was so unfulfilling. And there were also so many so like you guys don't even know the shit that Julia has been through her background and her upbringing is I'm in awe at how how far that she's come and who she is based on all of the things that she's experienced like she is a true example of what it means to be resilient and overcome and there's no shade on therapy I've also been in boatloads of therapy and it's been helpful. But what I've realized by doing this like trauma-informed work is that we're not giving given the space and the tools to actually address and heal the root causes. And so you came to me with a lot of like, like basically not necessarily knowing your sense of self and also like living in these states of just trying to like get by and 
using alcohol to to soothe. You were kind of this product of your environment and just using it to to cope with like the pain that was never actually addressed. Like I'm so sorry that your therapist said that every single person deserves to work through their trauma. And so being able to be that person to hold you and show you like the new way of life. And also, by the way, I don't ever, I don't ever tell anyone to go sober. I don't ever tell anyone to stop, you know, using substances, but that was Julia's choice. That was an empowered choice that she made that was a result of like, it's almost like you've been going sober, not only with just alcohol and like numbing substances, but also like just this whole period of your life has been clearing and cleaning out all of the old shit. (laughs) And it's hard. Like you said, you've cried yourself to sleep. You're like grieving old versions of you. And I'd actually love to ask you what that's been like for you and like how you've been able to love all versions of yourself yeah that is a big one because that has been one of my biggest points of healing like for example when I became sober I felt like it was really hard to love the most recent version of myself right and that version of myself I'm specifically talking about the self where I had graduated college I had begun my career I had written my book, like those 2020 to 2022, I felt like I could not accept or love that version of me. I was so critical. I was like, oh my God, I wasted like basically an entire year out of 2020 chasing a guy who was definitely just reflecting my own mother wounds that I had, right? And um, chasing him, I now realized was just a reflection of where I was at and trying to get love from someone who was emotionally abandoning me. And I realized like that realization alone, I have empathy for myself now because I had only seen the women in my life try and fix others. Like that, like if anyone was upset, I've always seen the women in the room be like, oh, like, do you need someone, something? Or like, what can I get to that nurturing and I only knew how to be that way to receive love and so I didn't know like there were other ways like I didn't know I could have boundaries and still receive love like I thought that no one was gonna like me and I mean it's true that people that I had in my life when you have boundaries they don't like you but that's because they don't actually respect you and they're not actually their your friend and that was the hardest realization I literally every single female relationship I had been in from like the start of college until now, literally so crazy, but it actually perfectly reflects um, the trauma that I had with my mom and the emotional abandonment I experienced and how I was expecting certain people to act in certain roles in my life and then being disappointed Mm -hmm. that they weren't showing up those ways. I had these fears in me that, you know, everyone doesn't, they secretly don't like me or all these things. And then the way they would act would just affirm those fears in me instead of me actually like communicating with them. um, That like, I noticed certain things in our friendship or whatever it may have been. Um, And I cut out pretty much every single friend I had in my life. To be fair, two friends from my past, one from high school that we just 
you know, we distance ourselves and one from college that we had similar experiences. They have resurfaced into my life at the perfect time. You know, Mm -hmm. I, it just happened to be, however, like I've had to cut out some of the people I thought were closest to me, people I was calling my fucking soul sisters. I thought they were going to be my bridesmaids. Mm -hmm. I'll be honest. I have no clue who my bridesmaids would be right now. I kind of want to (laughs) elope. I don't want to think about that, but like, yeah, you know, I know that it's coming. I know that it's coming because I don't want to be friends with women that are talking about me behind my back or have ill intentions or whatever it is. It's not a friendship that's rooted in love. It's a friendship or what we're calling a friendship rooted in judgment and comparison. And that is just not the empowerment like environment that I need to be in. I find that if I'm trying to find friendship in those environments, I'm not aligning and like acting true to who I am because I'm like acting in ways to try and fit in with others. And that's part of the people pleasing, like trying to fit in with others to feel safe and have a sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. And I just can't subscribe to that anymore. It's like, once you kind of see that people are treating you those ways, it's almost like this huge facade, like this huge curtain is just like, bam, here's the light, sweetie. And I'm thankful for that. Because I feel like I know I'm learning how to choose people that align right into my path. And I'm learning when to outgrow people. And it doesn't have to be this big, ugly thing where you like end your friendship. It can just be what it is. And like putting aside the opinions of others, like I'll just give a personal example. I had a group of friends. One of them was my one of my closest friends ever. Like even in college, we lived together. And I found out like her and these other women that I thought were my friends, they, none of them reached out about me becoming sober. None of them really know the story about why I became sober or anything like that, but they were all in a group chat talking about my sobriety and kind of like saying things like, oh, maybe she's California sober, right? Which is, I guess, when you smoke weed and you're sober from everything else, I don't know, but regardless I could write in hearing that that was occurring. I could see the intention of those people, you know, like, do I want friends that are in group chats talking about me behind my back? It would be one thing if my friends were like worried about me and needed to find a way to like intervene. I don't know, like from a place of love, I guess is what I'm trying to say, Mm -hmm. but that's not what was going on here. And ultimately having to draw the boundary, like I'm not available to hang out and I'd like to just leave our history where it is, you know, and like, and those things, I don't, I don't believe that they made me feel any way. I felt these ways of sadness and betrayal when I found out these things happened and I had to work through that. And the only way I can move forward is just say, you know what, that does not align with my standards of friendship. It may have in the past, And same with drinking, like, you know, it's not like I was all peachy when I was drinking and like, I never embarrassed myself or whatever, but just because I was at one time complacent in those behaviors, because I was participating in them, like that doesn't mean that that's where I'm at anymore. And I don't want to surround myself with anyone specifically like female friendships, because I feel like they're so nurturing and they hold so much space and like a vessel for love kind of like how Melissa is for me like I don't want to be friends with people that don't allow me to grow and change and also 
even grow with me. Like that would be awesome if even one friend could, but unfortunately I feel like you have to be comfortable with being unliked. And that is something that's really hard. But at the end of the day, like, do I care more about a hundred people liking me and being miserable in myself and not feeling like I'm connected truly to who I am? Or would I rather like myself and wait for the right people to align in my life? And can I yes. be patient enough to allow it to happen? Yes. Oh my God. Yes. I'm snapping my fingers because <laughs> this is it. Yeah. And I love that you brought up friendship as well. And I just also, I just want to congratulate you again and honor you and say how proud I am of you because it just shows a, I know that a lot of people feel this way as well or have felt this way. I know I have in the past where you're friends with a group of people and you're wondering whether or not they like you and you have you have this fear of like, what if they're talking about me behind my, my, my back? Or what if they're like, um, shady or like betraying me in some way. And when yeah. you see, when you are in that vibration of fear and that state of consciousness of, I hope they like me. I want them to like me. I'm like desperate for them to like me, but also what if they don't like me, then that's what's going to be created. And that's like, what I've experienced in the past with friendship groups, that's what you experienced firsthand. And something that like, I want to point out in your story is like you on your journey have decided to raise your standards and like yourself first, no matter what, like now you hold a higher standard of, I like me. Like if I like me, that's all that matters. And I know that there are healthier friendships out there for me. And this is the time for me to grieve. This is the time for me to shed all of that old stuff that was just keeping me dim and small. And like, I deserve better because I like myself. I love myself. I honor myself. I respect myself. And if these people don't like it, then they're not my friends. I deserve better. Exactly. And in a way, you know, even though I've chosen to not be like friends with those women anymore, I still feel like I embody this influence for them by showing them that they can raise their standards too, Yeah, you know, like, and also like you may not be the person talking about someone, but like you're in the room, you're in the group chat, like you are complicit in it. And just as women, I feel like it's important to understand like our parts right instead of like attributing like oh we can put the blame on someone else I literally learned in college I studied political science and philosophy so that's just where my brain's at with this stuff but in and out group theory is literally like when you're in the in group like let's say the in group is who belongs right and if you don't act in ways that attribute to that in group behavior you're going to be in the out group and so But even just not saying anything to stick up for someone, like that shows your alignment of your own values, right? And so I just really encourage people to like write down your values. Literally, I made a blueprint inside this program for like, what do I think or like, what are my beliefs and why do I think them? Which is so important. When I was studying philosophy, my like my favorite professor told me it's okay to believe whatever it is you believe but i'm going to expect you to like know why you believe it and that 
like that actually helped me in making this blueprint. I didn't know what my values were, to be honest. I knew what my values and skills were on a resume. But like when I actually looked within myself, I'm like, oh, this is kind of harder than I thought. It took me hours to figure out, seriously, hours. But I actually realized that most of the people in my surroundings weren't living in alignment with my values. And then asking myself, like, can I compromise? Can I fluctuate? And there are some things that I'm absolutely not willing to fluctuate about. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so empowering. It's one of the things like you, you said, Julia, that's in my program. I ask you straight up, what do you value? Like that's all a part of getting to know who you are, your essence beyond all of the superficial things like your social status, your job, like who is Julia? What is her essence? And part of that is your values And yeah, it's just been such like an empowering journey for you. Every single week that we talk, you tell me a new story about how you stood up for yourself and how you're healing the habit of people pleasing. And it's so empowering. And so I'd love for you to share a story about how you've been doing that and like how it's been changing your relationships with yourself, with others, how it's impacted your life. Yeah, I would love to. Um, So, you know, I've decided to be sober and something that I realized lately that I really needed to communicate with my partner. I sat on this for a couple of weeks because I didn't feel like I knew how to communicate it from a point of love. Like I needed to process my feelings about asking my partner to be sober um, because I decided for myself that my standards has changed and I needed to be with somebody who doesn't drink alcohol like when I'm in a relationship I'm thinking about okay this is a long-term option you know like I'm not dating I know other people do and that's fine that's their life but I date to have a future with somebody and that's what I'm looking for in a partner and it got to the point where like even if my partner just had one beer I was like I just feel so unattracted to that like I couldn't smell it I didn't even want to know about it. I felt like when he was going out with friends, like it was harder to trust him because not because I'm worried he's going to cheat on me, but because like him and his friends would get really drunk and I would worry something would happen because in the past, like the friends he goes out with drink and drive. And like, it almost felt like in some ways I was still dealing with the consequences of drinking alcohol, even though I had decided to live a sober life. And so that is ultimately why I was like, okay, as hard as it may be to admit, I can't deny my truth, which is that I, I know that I want to have a partner that I have a connection with and who can have fun with their friends outside of drinking alcohol. And also I feel like having alcohol and drugs in my presence is just not something that is good for my well-being. And it's really, it was really difficult because like I've been in this relationship for almost two years. And so to tell my partner who, to be honest, when we first started hanging out, like we were drinking alcohol because that's one of the easiest excuses to go and hang out with someone, you know, and like let loose. And thankfully he's like loved me through so so many um, times that involve alcohol and not the best of times that involve alcohol. Um, But I came to him literally a week ago and I said, I want you to know like I value 
your experiences and that I want you to be able to have fun and like enjoy your youth and participate in whatever it is that you decide you want to participate in. However, um, being in a household where there is alcohol, like I basically expressed what my needs were, you know, like I need to live in an alcohol free household because it helps me feel like I'm not living with the regrets of alcohol when I've been working through these feelings of shame and guilt myself. And then it feels like, you know, he's hung over the next day. And so I'm, I'm on the couch with him and like catering to him in some ways, like people pleasing my own relationship. Mm -hmm. And so I realized like, I can't do that as much as I love this person. Like I still have to honor myself. And if I really love him and if he really loves me, then he'll hear what I'm saying is coming from my heart. And not, not like a point of trying to control what he chooses to do. And so I just said, um, Nathan, like, I, I want you to know that I love you and that I don't expect you to honor this request. Like, I want you to be able to think about it and choose it from a point where this is something you want for yourself too. But I realize that I don't, I need to be in a relationship where both people are sober. Like I don't want to deal with the consequences of alcohol anymore. And I don't want to be around you even when you've had one beer, like the smells too much for me. Everything about it is too much for me. And I told him that I would give him time to think about it. You know, like that is a, a huge decision for some people to have to make. I mean, it's literally giving up an entire like social category like, mm -hmm. yeah, you can still go to bars and not drink alcohol, but at the same time, it's, it's a lot. If you drink, you know, it's different than not drinking, especially meeting new friends, but he responded really well. And he had, um, apparently already been thinking about not drinking anymore because he was having similar experiences and reflections and, and I don't know, it's like something in me decided to bring it up on that day and it fell into alignment with where he was. Like, I cannot make this up. But then I decided to share this story with my grandma. And she's like, oh, well, you know, when I picked, I picked your grandpa, she, this isn't my actual grandpa. She like married him. But she was like, well, he didn't drink. He just smoked. And I figured, well, that's the lesser of two evils. So, you know, it was fine. And I know she loves this man. It has nothing to do with how much she loves him or he loves her. But I heard in that, like, I settled because you either have one or the other and you can't have everything at your standards. Like, you have, you have to settle for what is given, basically. Like, he's better than most. My grandma was essentially just telling me that I should stick with my partner, even if he just drinks one beer every now and then, because like, how do I know he's not going to lie? And like, basically my family, like all the women that I was raised by live their lives from a point of fear. And so they're always asking themselves these questions like, oh, well, what if this happens or what if this happens? And like anticipating everything so that when your fear actually comes to life, it's like this ultimate betrayal. And then you're like mad at this person because you put an expectation on them um, that they didn't even know you had for them. And so I wanted to make it extremely clear um, when I was having this conversation with Nathan, instead of like beating around the bush and expecting him to know like what my needs are, I just 
specifically laid them out. But I told my grandma, like, I don't feel, I understand that she's saying that I should be maybe okay with him just having a beer once in a while. But also I don't feel like I need to abandon my truth for what other people think is the right way to live. And like, no offense, but we have tons of generational trauma. And like, maybe if she didn't choose a partner that she was settling for, like certain things wouldn't have happened. And I am just not willing to settle for less. As much as I love Nathan, as much as I would love a future forever with him, it's like, do I need to abandon myself to receive love from others? Like, absolutely not. Love does not ask that. Yes, Love does not ask that. And yeah, so we got off the phone and she calls me back. I was actually in my meeting with Melissa. I have a weekly meeting with her and I didn't answer, but she left me this voicemail that was like, you know, I feel like I learned something from you all the time. And our generation of women just weren't taught these things. And like, I'm taking my power back like one step at a time. And I didn't even know I was really having that effect on my grandma, but it makes me like happy to know that I planted a seed in her that told her that she can have high standards and not feel bad about it. And she can change her standards while in a relationship too. Yes. And I feel like that's something that we're afraid to change and grow in our relationships because there is ultimately this fear that like the other person isn't going to like who we become or isn't going to want to honor our requests or whatever it is. And there's a lot of nuances in relationships, but ultimately I feel like if you have a good sense of love and confidence, um, like you are able to be honest with your partner and ultimately like that honesty and communication is what builds trust. And I, I trust my partner to share my thoughts and like our communication of living together and what our life together is going to be like completely. And he trusts me too. And it's only through these really vulnerable conversations where I've even told him like, I, I feel like sometimes I'm people pleasing in our relationship. I've noticed these patterns in myself. So like, if I am not being, if I'm not acting in certain ways, like I used to just know, like it has nothing to do with you. I'm just trying to learn how to choose myself first. Like when I get off of work, I would just spend time with him. I would cook dinner and then I'd watch TV and then we'd like go to bed. And I was getting like, I was having these feelings of anxiety from doing that as part of my routine. And then I asked myself, like, why, like, where is the root of this coming from? Because that's one of the ways that I process through my emotions is really trying to find that root. So I noticed that it was the, I want to feel connected to my partner and loved because I don't have a lot of people in my life. And so I want to spend quality time connecting with someone else, right? That is a want and a need and a desire that I have. However, doing that, like craving that and needing that wasn't ultimately giving me what I needed to be doing, which was actually focusing on myself. Like there are multiple projects that I have going on right now. I'm I'm doing yoga school right now. I am like trying to write down recipes because I eventually want to be putting together a cookbook. Like I'm doing this project with my friend. There's just so many things where like that requires quite a bit of me time and concentration. And I 
I didn't know how to draw boundaries in my partnerships. I literally had only had like bad traumatic relationships with men in the past. And so I, I didn't really know where to start, but I talked with Melissa about some of these things. And I feel like a needs-based approach has worked really well in my relationship, just showing exactly what my need is. Like, I really love spending time with you when I get off of work and making dinner and watching TV. Like, I love our cozy time together. Literally, my favorite thing to do is chill out at home. <laughs> and like, I love that. But I also have this part of me that is lit up when I'm doing things for myself. And I need to honor that part of me in order to show up for you. Yeah. You know, like I literally can't if I'm not showing up for myself. Yeah. And like, for example, right now, this is me doing something for myself, something that lights me up, sharing my story to maybe help someone out there. And he really respects my time. I understand that not everybody's in a relationship like this, mm -hmm. but I really just encourage you to pay attention to your relationships that you're in because if your partner can't be understanding of your needs or receptive to them, maybe that's a, a sign, mm -hmm. you know, maybe there's conversations that need to be had. Maybe you're people pleasing to feel that love, even with the person that you feel the most loved by. Yeah. Um, and those can be really tough conversations and things to go through, but ultimately it's been worth it for me. Yeah. You've really shown how honoring yourself is the most courageous ultimate act of love and by loving yourself you're giving the, the people in your life the opportunity to love and respect you as well even if it's scary even if you're not sure if they're going to reject you even if you don't know if if they're going to leave i love what you said earlier i'm no longer abandoning myself to feel loved and a sense of belonging from anyone else like you belong yeah. to yourself first you love yourself first and when you take action from that place and have the scary conversations with the people in your life you're giving them the opportunity to love and respect you too and like you've really shown so much leadership in your in your journey you're you're taking the lead and you're taking action and you're speaking up after doing the inner work, like sitting down with yourself, getting real and honest with yourself. Who is Julia? What do I need? What do I value? What is the root cause of why I'm feeling anxiety around this? Like what's best for me? And then taking action from there, you're filling yourself up so, so, so much that you can't help but affect everyone around you. Like by you having that conversation with your grandma, you're healing the chains of your ancestral line that were keeping women stuck small and dim and settling. And you're really yeah. living as a testament of proclaiming we can have it all. Women can have it all. We don't have to settle. We can have high standards. We can have all of our wants and needs and they deserve to be met. And like you're meeting them for yourself first. Can you talk a little bit about your mom, how you've kind of healed your relationship with the people in your life? <laughs> it's been a journey, girl. Um, but to say to say a good summary, because um, my mom and I have a really, really deep history. I mean, my mom had me at 16 years old. Um, honestly, like I am a child born out of rape. 
My dad was four years older than her, totally took advantage of her. Like my mom and I have really, really similar childhoods in the sense that she also had an abusive stepdad and had to be like that older sister mother role. She didn't have people going to her school when she was a kid and checking her backpack when she got home and making sure her homework was done. Like my mom had to learn how to be independent at a really young age too. And part of my healing has been understanding that it was never her intention to be faulty as a mom in the spots that she had been. Um, But she literally like never even learned how to be a kid. And my mom has had to struggle through a lot of things in her life being desperate for love, you know, like the women in my family find love and belonging in men because they fix them and then they fix each other. But really they're, they're still broken, you know, like Mm. they both search and numb their pains and things that they wish they could communicate either through drugs or gossip or, you know, emotional unloading, but never actually addressing the issue. Like one of the things that would happen all the time when I was a kid, um, like my mom got sober after being sex trafficked and everything when I was six years old. And that's when she met my stepdad. Um, But she, her and I would get in an argument and then like, it would be so bad. Like my mom has changed a lot, but like my mom was calling me a bitch when I was 12 years old. You know, like if I, if I said something that was like really snarky, because I learned how to really understand people's insecurities and frustrations and use that against them. Cause that's what I saw happening around me. You know, like I thought that that was normal Mm -hmm. and I thought that there was like this sense of justice and also like reciprocating that ugliness and this like non-communication, but like we would get in fights and then 20 minutes later, it's like, come eat dinner. And we're like, you know, oh, do you want to go to the mall? Like those conversations or apologies never happened. And so I just kind of had to learn how to move on and like stay in my zone all throughout growing up. I was abandoned by my mom. Yes, she was kidnapped, but as a child, like that is abandonment. And even when she returned, it was like, she was consistently emotionally abandoning me. And so like when I got to college, my relationship with my mom got better because we were like six hours apart. So the only relationship we had was over the phone. And so that meant like, I'm not actually seeing her behaviors in person or getting trapped in the car and having an argument with her and then just feeling so unsafe to express my emotions or even having someone talk over me. Like I liked our relationship over the phone because I could just hang up on her when when the abusive words started flowing out, right? Well, now that my mom is going through all of this with my brother, she's like really needed a support system. His dad is not around, which is the abusive stepfather who's like no longer in all of our lives. Thank God. Um, yeah. But she is seeing firsthand what emotional abandonment has caused in her family. And she holds a lot of blame for herself. And honestly, at the beginning of my healing journey, I was blaming her too. I was like, seriously, like, is it that hard to just give and give like love or whatever? And it's like, I'm at this point with my mom where I forgive her because she didn't have a fucking outline that she could turn to. She also didn't have a mother that she could turn to. 
She also didn't have a grandmother that she could turn to because the grandma was taking care of all the other grandkids. And so my mom has also been emotionally abandoned her whole life. There is no wonder why she is not at a level of emotional maturity that she could be. Yeah. And my mom has a shopping addiction. That's how she numbs her feelings. And like, we, like I said, like so many different ways to numb in society does not have to be drugs. Um, but I've healed my relationship with her by actually drawing boundaries um, in the sense that like, hey, I actually feel like our relationship is becoming rooted in talking about the problems going on in, in my brother's life. And I don't personally feel like that is something that I can help you with anymore. I don't feel like I have the expertise, the skills. Like I was, I was sending her book recommendations. I was sending her numbers of therapists. I was matching up her health insurance so what therapists could see her so that she wouldn't have an excuse. Ultimately, I was trying to control her healing journey so that mm-hmm. I could connect with her. But actually what I found is connecting with her was just accepting her and loving her for where she's at. Yes. And because of that, and because I was able to tell her that like, I actually need you to be just my mom. Like, let's just focus on our relationship. And like, you know, why, like, why don't you talk to Elaine? Why don't her sister, or why don't you talk to grandma? Like you do have these resources, like gently reminding, but that honoring of myself and like telling my mom that like, when she behaves in certain ways, it does feel like the emotional abandonment all over again. And that if we're always going to go in these cyclical patterns of this happening, that I don't know how close I can be with her. Like ultimately saying that to her moved our relationship in a direction of like, she's checking in with me every night, like, Oh, how was your day? Mm-hmm. And I asked her that too. And she now is talking more about her life with me and just opening up and not just about the negative things. Mm -hmm. And I talked to my mom a lot about the changes that I'm going through and she finds inspiration in that, that she has room to change too, because literally after she was sex trafficked, she couldn't have her hair certain colors. Like she still can't to this day. She was really in a rush to get married and like change her identity to feel a sense of safety. And so my mom has changed a lot, but she has almost like shape shifted to feel safe instead of like actually changing and growing for her own self. And I feel like by honoring myself and like what I need to do for me, I'm showing her that it's okay to do that. And she's literally like, you know, I even talked to my mom about the partner she's with. I'm like, mom, I just, I want you to know that I think you deserve the world. And I would really like, I just really want you to know that you don't need to settle for less than what you deserve. Cause my mom, she's so cute. She is like, I don't know. She just is a fashionista basically. And she has always dreamed of like having a wedding in Hawaii with hibiscus flowers and all this. And she's been with this guy who like hasn't proposed and they've been together for a while and they've lived together for seven years. And she was like, Oh, you know, I actually don't care if he even proposes at this point. I just know I'm going to be with him. And I'm just like, don't settle for less than what you want. Like, don't be afraid to ask for it because people can't read your mind about what you want. 
Like, he doesn't know you want that because you've never told him that that's what you want. Um, And one of the books that you actually shared with me, it's called Unbound, Mm -hmm. has taught me ways to communicate, um, like, my wants and needs in a way that doesn't feel aggressive. Sometimes when you first start drawing boundaries, it feels like there's all this aggression that comes out or, like, seriousness and just learning how to navigate ways of drawing boundaries healthily has been really helpful in that book seriously has helped me a lot in doing that. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. If anyone's interested, I'll link the book below. The Audible book um, is really powerful um, because her voice is like really activating and has a lot of codes in there and a lot of examples of how to set boundaries, how to ask for what you want and need in a powerful way. The journey of you healing your relationship with your mom by you going on this journey of healing yourself, you're also healing all the women that came before you and all the women that will come after you. Through having the hard conversations, you were able to have compassion for your mom and like understand where she came from and have more of an understanding of why you were like raised in the environment that you were raised in. And also you were able to have awareness of trying to control her healing journey that's actually not coming from a place of love and so I love that you came to the realization that the best way to love your mom was to set a boundary with her and also have so much love and compassion and acceptance for exactly where she is right now even if it's not where you know that she could be just by you leading by example setting the standards setting boundaries It's showing her, uh, like you said, what's possible for her by you being that inside of the relationship instead of trying to control her, trying to like give her advice or help her make her try new things, you know, like that never actually really works. She has to become inspired and choose to do the work herself. I'm seriously in awe of you. And I know I say that to you all the time, but it's so true. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Something else that I would love to touch on before we wrap up our call is I remember you came to me in the beginning of us working together and you were really struggling with like feeling worthy of your desires. You started claiming what it is that you desire. So in the beginning of Worthy Woman Blueprint, I have every single student go through and create a vision and manifesto. What your vision is for your future self, like what are your character traits? What do you believe in? What is your future self doing? Where is she living? What kind of car is she driving? You know, so detailed down to like your essence, like how you impact the world. What is the legacy that you want to leave? And then create this like epic vision board of what it actually looks like, pulling images of like the vibe, the feeling, the energy. And so I remember you were really struggling claiming all of these things that you desire and wanting all of these things, but you're like, how do I, I don't even feel worthy of that. So like, can you share some of that process? Yeah. So when I was first messaging Melissa, like that was around the time where I like quit my job, moved to Seattle was like before that I didn't feel worthy of being a lawyer, but I also realized that wasn't my dream. Um, but then when I realized like, I want to possibly like open a restaurant or I knew I wanted to do something regarding food, but I didn't feel like I was skilled enough. I didn't feel like I was worthy enough to belong in certain rooms in certain groups of people that I would even be considered 
like good at what I do because the only people I had ever shared my food with specifically are like my family and friends. And I've never actually cooked for like people outside of that. And when I was doing the worthy woman blueprint, like it took me so many hours. I didn't do it all in one day, but it took me so long because I feel like I really had to fight through the inner critic. I've named her Julie because I hate when people call me Julie. It's clearly (laughs) Julia. Okay, five letters. (laughs) Like, it's okay if you get it wrong, because you know what? You can call me the short girl with the brown hair, and that's better than Julie. (laughs) But that's why I call my inner critic Julie, because Julia does not think in alignment with Julia and, like, who Julia is. But she was the voice that was taking over my life. And she was, like, she was that voice of fear that exists in all the women in my family That's like, oh, you have to ask yourself these like set of questions before you actually go out and do something. Like you basically have to argue yourself into worthiness before you decide to actually take the action to step into it. And most of the time when I was struggling, it was like, I just, I could see myself there, but what if I'm not good enough? Or like, I could see myself doing this and being happy, but I don't think that my food is worth buying or whatever. And, and I had to uncover like, well, why do I feel these ways? Like it actually came back to trauma with my dad and like a huge traumatic event that happened in the kitchen with my dad and why I have these feelings of like being afraid to mess up. That was one of the biggest things in changing my career path was being afraid to fuck up. I seriously in my life before or the one man blueprint, I like held myself to these standards and expectations that like no human could possibly live up to all of these standards because these standards were very berating. Like, oh yeah, you you made this meal. Oh, well, that looks a little bit off. We'll try again next time. You know, like never giving myself any kind of self-validation, mm-hmm. only honoring validation that came from others. And so that is ultimately the voice in my head that like, oh, you're not good enough or, oh, how are you going to make it happen? Or no one's going to see your food is worthy enough to buy or whatever it is. And so after a couple calls with Melissa and writing down on paper that I want to be a personal chef and like the reason, the intention, I want to be a personal chef, the reason and the intention behind why I want to cook and what it means to me and what I'm planting as a seed into these people's homes is like a feeling of love and happiness and connection to connect with the dinner table. Like all of these intentions going into creating this beautiful life for myself and seeing it on paper. It's like, I could not ignore that. That's what I wanted for myself. Even if that like something Melissa shared, you can always amend it, right? Like, Your blueprint doesn't have to be the one-all, be-all thing that you're going to do in your life or what you want in your life. Like, once you level up, there's always going to be more opportunities to level up. And, like, that's where I'm at with my blueprint now. When I made my blueprint, I was like, oh, I don't even know if I believe that all these things can happen to me, but wouldn't that be nice? And it's things like becoming a chef, living in a city, um, like, having a G-Wagon, because I've just always wanted one. That's my Kris Jenner era that's going to happen one day. Um, And just things like that. And literally within, like, less than, what, two weeks, I was interviewing for a personal chef position. Like, 
I started asking myself, well, what is in my control? What can I do to try and get on this level and be in alignment with this person that I just wrote down on paper that feels so like I am called to be this woman and I am this woman at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. So powerful stuff here. I was really afraid of other people's judgments about like me taking pictures and always posting them on my food. Cause like I put an Instagram story up one time before I knew Melissa, like if I started a recipe blog, like would you follow it? And there were a few people that I had gone to school with that answered no. And like, I just, I guess I never thought that anyone would say no. I just wanted to see how many people would say yes, you know? And so like that added to my insecurity about all of this before I was working through this. Um, but I'm so glad I took all those pictures and stayed true to who I was because I was able to put almost a hundred pictures onto a Google document and use it kind of like, or in a Google drive that you can share the link of and ultimately use it like a portfolio. And I moved on to the second interview and then I moved on to a cooking demo, which was cooking three meals in three hours with cleanup, by the way, never done that before. (laughs) So I literally just like shit it out of them somehow. And it was awesome. And I got the job. I got hired on the spot. I had so many compliments about my food. I was literally bawling my eyes out while I'm in like my director's kitchen because I just, it was like whether or not, even in that moment, I was still struggling with feelings of self-worth. That Mm -hmm. was just one thing that I proved to myself that like, I am fucking worthy, but like I'm worthy because I am not because this person just hired me. Like this came from me. This is all me. Yes. That was the start of feeling really like starting to really build my confidence. That was just one action of showing up for myself. It wasn't about just becoming a chef. It's everything that came along with it. that I could be reminded that I am able to bring visions to life. Yes. Oh, yes, Julia, I am so proud of you. It's been such a beautiful thing to witness you really owning your worth and gaining really massive self-confidence with every decision, every choice, all of the work that you've been doing. It's just blows me away, truly. So, wow. Yeah. And that's like the example of becoming a chef is just one small example of how you've been claiming you. And I feel like a lot of it is not needing, like letting go of the need of feeling validated or feeling liked by anyone else. You've really transformed that area of your life. Like that just goes to show how far you've come over the past months where you're like hurt about a couple of people from school saying that they don't want to read your recipe posts or your blog posts. And now you're like, I actually don't care. This is for me. <laughs> like who cares if those people, there's going to be so many people who don't care, but the people who do care and the people who are meant to be touched by your work and your artistry and your voice and like your values and your mission are going to be changed. And like that goes for every single person. There are going to be people who don't like you. There are going to be people who don't get it and that's okay. They don't need to get it. As long as you are not abandoning yourself, you're not betraying yourself, you're staying true to yourself, 
and sourcing your sense of self-worth from you. I feel like we could share so many more stories, but for the sake (laughs) of time, um, I would love to ask you two more questions. The first question is, what would you tell anyone who's interested in working with me as a coach? And anything about the program that you just want to share? If anyone is thinking about it, what would you say to them? I would say to them that if you're feeling called to go in that direction, what is stopping you from pursuing it, first of all? And also, like, investing in yourself is never going to be a mistake, even if it, even if it's just an intro call. You know, like, before I started working with Melissa, we had an intro call, and I think I missed our first call, actually, and I was really nervous to reschedule because at that point, I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, I was in that habit of people-pleasing still and thinking that, like, Melissa isn't going to want to work with me because I'm not like a reliable person. I really wasn't at that time. I was really overextending myself everywhere. That's part of the mm-hmm. reason why I needed the program. Yeah. Like there were, there's literally the past, I guess before maybe even August, <laughs> I spent the majority of my life between high school and college and afterwards, just like I said before, living for everyone else and not even knowing what my emotional needs are but the fact that you're being drawn to a woman that has confidence and has like put a bunch of information together so that you're like, you could, you could find information that Melissa teaches you. However, I feel like for me, it would take me years to even like dissect all that information and I'll put it in like one cohesive place to like work through it all. But like she already does that and has an outline which makes it less scary to pursue those conversations with yourself and like having the opportunity to talk to someone that has not been your friend in the past is not a family member is literally just a vessel of like feminine empowerment and love like is the biggest example like role model I have in my life right now there are not a lot of people in this world outside of like authors and artists that I've seen and I admire in their, um, what are those called expanders? They're like, you know, my expanders in my life. I don't even know any of those people. There's like Brene Brown, Prince Ia, Taylor Swift. And I feel so aligned with those people even more so than people I currently have in my life. Like Melissa's program has opened a lot of doors and a lot of mental awakenings in my life (laughs) that like I wasn't even having in therapy because like she said like these are actual tools to work through and process your emotional trauma which is exactly what I needed like Melissa said I support therapy I really do but the only thing I was getting out of therapy was I understood what my traumas were I understood a lot about what my core beliefs were but at the end of the day, I didn't have the tools to be like, okay, like what's next? Like, how do I overcome that? I was getting homework and like sheets to do on my own. Like that kind of work just doesn't, I'm not going to do that. I'm not that kind of person. (laughs) I'm just going to say it. I don't think a lot of people are, but having that, the modules for one, you can always go back to them. I've actually had to go back like three times because For me, becoming aware is not something that's been super easy. And having a guiding voice to hear that, like, 
it just helps you go along that path a lot faster to have that outline. And so I would, I would recommend even just hopping on that intro call because you never know what it's going to lead you. And Melissa's also given me so many resources for books and like talk to me about other coaches or like, for example, other women I've been thinking about getting off birth control. She knows women who have similar stories who might be willing to connect. There are just so many benefits of connecting with her. And for me, it was just totally in alignment with what I needed. So if you're feeling called, like if you're ever feeling called to something, I just, I think you should explore it. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much. I'm so happy, happy that you did. Cause like, Imagine if we never worked together. Like, can you imagine where you would be in your life? Yeah, I think I would, I would still be in those low vibrations and like not having healthy relationships. And yeah, I, I feel like the worst of the worst would be like, ultimately, what if I ended my life? Like, I hate to be as graphic as that, but like seriously, not having a sense of self-worth, like that's the road that it leads you down. And, and it's so important to have a sense of self. Yeah. Wow. Especially as women, we have so many roles that are expected of us. And I think it's important to step outside of those roles and figure out the role that you have in your own life. And that's what I've learned. Oh my gosh. So powerful. I, I'm like my hands on my heart and I'm so grateful that you chose me and and put your trust in me to guide you because seeing your power blossom and seeing your confidence and seeing you take back your life and use all these tools like you got so much out of it because you put so much into it like you have worked so hard on getting to where you are now and I know you're proud of yourself but be so proud of yourself it's yeah it's it's just I'm just in awe of you I'm so in awe of you you. yeah it's just been a true gift to be able to work with you and guide you and this is just the beginning (laughs) it really is I mean I yeah like you said putting the time aside for myself, like that is literally self-care time, listening to modules, journaling. Those are things that I incorporate into my everyday now. And um, yeah, I mean, even if I wasn't putting as much work into the program, I think it'd be helpful. But ultimately like these radical transformations I'm having is because I'm like diligently incorporating these things in my life. And that's what's going to make the biggest difference is not just being like, okay, about this class, I'm going to go through these modules because that's what I do with my yoga thing. Um, but like actually applying myself and being real with myself and working through those feelings of fear, like why is it hard for me to answer these questions? Mm. But on the other side of fear is love. And mm-hmm. so it's worth working through. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Ooh. I am so happy that we got to have this conversation and that the world got to hear your story because it's so powerful and inspiring. So um, I would love for you to pimp yourself out because you've published a book and you're about to publish many more books in your future, a cookbook. And I know that like, I just see you about to take off and in your journey of self-discovery, it's just going to continue leading you down some incredible paths. 
So if people want to find you or even if, if people want to ask you directly questions about the program or anything like that, where can they find you? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm going through this phase in life where I have like three different Instagrams right now. Um, but my, the one that I use for like art blueprint, like cooking, all of that right now, you can contact me at Julia Ionelli, which it's spelled J-U-L-I-A-I-A-N-N-I-E-L-L-I. I know it's intense, but I promise you can do it. Um, yeah. Or you can also do like my personal Instagram. I don't go on it a lot. I just go on it to stay connected with people that are like from my past. I just want to see what they're up to sometimes. So that's Julia.I-N-L-E. Um, you can contact me there if it's easier for you to get onto that one, but I won't be looking at messages as often on there. And, um, in, on my Instagram page, there's a link tree. So if you want to find my book that way, it's linked there. I'm also starting, um, an intuitive poeta chef blog because I write poetry. And, um, the reason why I love cooking is because I'm an intuitive chef. Like that is my specialty. I eat what I'm craving and I make just what comes to me. Um, so that's something new, but you can find my book on Amazon or, um, I think there's like sold copies through thrift books and eBay now, but it's titled because the universe told me to, and you can just write it all in low caps. It's easiest to find it that way. It's a poetry collection that I had put together. There's poems in there from when I was as young as 12 years old and the last chapter, um, it's basically just a self-discovery collection of poems, but the last entry is like these collection of blogs literally titled when I told myself I was going to start acting like a human and I didn't (laughs) because at that point in my life, I seriously, like I was still at the point where I was when I met with Melissa the first time, like I didn't know how to propel myself forward, not living in fear, shame, and guilt. And so definitely calls for a sequel because I am actually living my life now. And there's a lot more writings that I've come up with since then. So just keep your eyes peeled. Um, And yeah, you can also get it through Kindle on Amazon. So feel free to check it out. If you want like a signed copy, uh, reach out on Instagram. I do that for people sometimes and I'm happy to connect with anybody. Yay. Perfect. And I'm going to link all of those, um, handles and links below in the show notes so that you can just easily click on it. And, um, yeah. Is there anything else that you want to say? Any last words before we finish? Um, just thanks Melissa for inviting me to share my story and to anyone listening, like, Thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening because I feel like the fact that you're listening is taking a step towards loving yourself. And like, that's all I want to do in this world is spread love and light. Mm. So I hope that you're doing okay out there. Yes. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. I love you so much for everyone listening. Bye. (laughs) Bye. 
I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you haven't already, go to iTunes or Spotify and hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode when it's released. And if you found this episode super valuable and think that other women like you would benefit from it, go over to iTunes and leave a rating and review so that people can find this podcast. And if we haven't met yet, I would love to meet you. Go over to my Instagram or TikTok at I am Melissa Emily and say hello. You can also head over to my website, theworthywoman.co if you're interested in learning more about all of my offerings and juiciness that I've been creating for you so that you can reclaim your feminine power and gain massive self-worth in your life. Don't forget you are worthy because you are. I love you so much and I'll see you in the next episode.